Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In this podcast, we chat about Borough's FA Cup victory against Mansfield, transfer strategy with Craig Johns from the Gazette. We talk about goalkeepers. We chat, about, we chat to Matt from the Elm Park Royals to get a ready perspective on next week's game against the Royals. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is our match day chatter in a pod. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all of your Board Match Day chatter in a podcast. And in this week, a makeshift Middlesbrough side were able to scrape the way into the FA Cup fourth round in a 3-2 win over League 2 promotion, Hawthorne's Mansfield Town. Guys, an exciting cup tie, ups, downs, ins and outs, it had it all. Um, it was very close to an upset, but how are you feeling in three words? Dana, do you want to go first? I'm putting the rations back, by the way. I'm going back to the, the three words, so... <laughs> Three words, um, how are you feeling? Lucky, lucky Bora. I think fortunate is the word and relieved is another one probably uh, to describe the game and, and my moods. Very similar to the Oxford game when we were in the Premier League and we scraped through, I think that was 3-2 as well when Stewani saved our bacon. It was uh, it was an entertaining game, but to be fair, the way that Mansfield have been playing this season, kind of one that we really should have expected. Absolutely. Tom, how, how are you feeling? Uh, mine was going to be similar. It's going to be very, very relieved. Um, I did think when they got that second one, that game was only going to end one way. Um, you know, they were in the in the ascendancy for most of the second half. By the time that first goal came in, like you knew it had been coming. And you just think if they're going to get another one, it's probably going to only go one way and it'll be a Mansfield win. Um, but obviously very glad that... Uh, the tactical masterstroke of putting Jones up front paid off and uh, just happy to be in the next round of the cup now. Yeah, absolutely. I think my three words be Isaiah Jones, aha. I think it's just the to have to get him player of the month and then also to, to put on the performance in the second half to 
to tee up the win, I think, was pretty special. So I think a credit to him. But yeah, we were very, very lucky to get through to the fourth round. But let's try about it a bit more in depth then because Bournemouth made seven changes to the side that beat Blackpool with three debutants and Joe Gibson, Boyd Munz and Cocolo made his first full debut for the club. Um, I appreciate he did come on earlier as a sub earlier in the season. Uh, it was an excellent FA Cup tie, guys. It was for, especially for the neutral. Bora went two and a little ahead after 15 minutes with Uche and Kalen. Uh, Boyd Munz, obviously the new signing. Um, but for a 2 0 ahead, and then they staged an absolutely amazing comeback, brought it to 2 2. It should have been 3 or 4 2 to Mansfield, but it wasn't to be. And then as I Jones went up, up, up to the other end and just put in a, a death ball, and then Middlesbrough <laughs> went through, and it was wonderful to see. Um, but Dana, how, how would you assess the game against Mansfield? Because, like I mentioned, that it had absolutely everything, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It was entertaining. and Borough weren't impressive, in fairness. I think this was the worst we've seen them under Chris Wilder. Reasons, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe it was COVID, maybe it was the conditions, because there was a part in the, the first half where it was raining quite heavily and that pitch was all cut up. So I don't think we really could have played our usual game. And that's kind of what you usually hear when there's conditions like that. I mean, it wasn't torrential, but still, it was. It, it made it difficult for Borough. But we have to give credit to Mansfield because I thought they were the better side. And in fairness, I think they were really unfortunate not to go through. They started the better side, I thought, and then we gradually grew into the game. But then we faded after about 25 minutes and we never really brought ourselves back into the contest, to be honest. I can only really remember three chances in the second half. One of them was a goal. One of them, Matt Crooks, uh, kind of came in from a Uchipiezu cross and as he was running onto the ball, he hit the side netting and then there was another shot, I think, from Jones that went into the stands and... That was kind of the, the the theme of the second half. We didn't really threaten them, whereas on the flip side of the coin, they did, and they had a lot of chances. They threatened a lot more than we did, and that's why I say I think they probably uh, were unfortunate not to go through because ultimately, at the end of the day, the quality of Borough shone through, um, especially with Jones, but we kind of got away with it because I don't think it was that great a performance whatsoever. But hey, we're, we're through in the next round and, and that's all that matters really, isn't it? Mm. Tom, how would you assess things as well? Because it, it, like Dana said there, Middlesbrough were very, very lucky at time. Mansfield just missed the chances, but quality did sh- share, uh, shine through in the end. But how would you assess things as well? Because it was very, very up and down, wasn't it? Yeah, Adam maybe said it was more kind of a game of two halves. I thought in the first half we did well. Uh, Like Dana said, we did kind of fade off after around 25 minutes, but we did have our chances. That one uh, Uche had pretty much straight at the keeper. I mean, good save from the keeper to to be there, but you you got to think in that position that could have been 3 0 and that could have been, it could have been a lot more comfortable in the second half. Um, but you look at how they came out for the second half and, and they were so for it and it, it just didn't look like we were. Um, like Dan said, there, there, there could have been a few reasons for that. COVID could have been one of them. Uh, I think the, the pressing was a bit more of an issue yesterday with the strikers that we were playing because we couldn't do it in the in the same way we would with, say, Sparrow and Watmore or Sparrow and Hernandez up front. And I do think that played into it as well. And also the conditions, because the bounce was very hard to judge on that pitch. I know there was one point where, um, I can't remember who it was on the left-hand side, it might have been Tav, uh, played at cross for Crooks, and it didn't look like the type of pass that Crooks would usually misjudge, but it bounced where it hadn't been bouncing for the entire game because of that pitch, uh, and went just went over his foot now for a throw-in, and I think that kind of epitomised it, because, like Dan said, we, we couldn't play our, our normal game. 
uh, and that would have had an effect. Uh, also, obviously, fair play to Mansfield. They did play very well yesterday. Like I said, second half, they came out really fired up for us. First half, when, when we went 2-0 up and, and we had that chance for the third, I was thinking, you know, these these were the form team in League 2. You know, I'm thinking it maybe just shows how kind of good we, we were. But then they turned it around uh, so well, and, and I just didn't think we were at the races at all for for the majority of the second half. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Tom. To be honest, and I agree with you as well, Dan. I thought we were very lucky. I didn't think we were at the races at times. I just thought we showed we were quite rusty. To be honest, I thought when we were looking at the likes of Nathan Wood at centre half, you know, Boy Munster's first game in many many months. We got two young lads on the wings. Um, and I think when you make seven changes at times, it can be quite difficult for any team just to try and grind out a result. And I thought tactically, I thought Mansfield were quite good as well. I thought their 4-1-2-1-2 really found, found it really difficult to play against, really. I thought with their number 10 in Quinn, I think when with him trying to pull out Nathan Wood all the time, it just did create space. And obviously Pelletier and Bamba aren't the quickest either. Um, so I think that did cause a few problems. But overall, I thought we were just... I thought we were very, very lucky to just to get through. But then again, it's six wins in seven. It's fantastic form. And if you can win games without playing well, then that sort of shows the signs of a good team. But that's why. Go on, go on. Yeah, I just want to sort of leave a, a point here. That's what impressed me about that game is that we still have that winning mentality. Whereas in previous seasons, and not just under Warnock this season or last season, but under Woodgate, under Gary Monk, under Tony Pulis. I think we would have lost that game. We would have gone on and uh, Mansfield would have taken the tie away from us. But our winning mentality at the moment, because we play on the front foot, it's so impressive because we're always within a shout of getting ourselves back into the game, even when we're pegged back, like we saw against Blackpool, like we saw here yesterday against Mansfield. That is the most impressive part. It's our reaction to when we when we go maybe a goal down or when, for example, yesterday when Mansfield made it 2-2. It's our reaction to that. And that's that's the most impressive part for me. We look like a side that's always going to score now at some point or going to create a chance. And I think that's what we haven't been able to say for the last few seasons, really. So credit to Chris Wilder and his team already for already changing Boris' mentality, like you were saying there, Dana, to make us be more on the front foot. And hopefully we can continue that because the form run at the moment is absolutely fantastic. But for this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different before we break down the goals because we wanted to reach back out to Craig from the Mansfield Matters podcast to give us assessment on the game yesterday because... I thought they thoroughly deserve it, given their such good performance yesterday. Well, I think Cup Dream may well be over, but to be fair, what a way to go out of the competition. There's just something about Mansfield Town at the minute which just says, never say die. To be fair to you guys in Middlesbrough, you played really, really well in the opening sort of 20 minutes or so, and that difference in class and difference in standard showed the opening goal was a, a, a top flight finish really, turned our man really, really well, opened its feet up and put it into the top corner and gave our keeper no chance. Second goal we can be a little bit more disappointed with in terms of defending, but you know we've been in that position before recently in games and we've just got this never-say-die attitude and from half an hour onwards we could just sense that Mansfield were going to get a goal and with, uh, with being at home and, and with the fans the way they are, sort of cheering the boys on all the way through, you knew it was going to come, and when it did come, it would just get really, really louder and really get that atmosphere going. When we got it back to 2-1, I was under no illusions at all that we'd get it back to 2-2, to even though you know you guys responded really, really well and perhaps could have had a third, but we sort of stood up and defended it well. We'd get it back to 2-2. Maybe a little bit of error from you guys, but we, we do well to, to get it back and 
going into the last five minutes with the game looming towards extra time, you just think, this could be Mansfield's afternoon. Seven minutes added on, not quite sure where he got those from. Um, and, you know, I think pace and, and power showed a little bit. Ollie Hawkins, our defender who got turned for the goal, was absolutely on his on his backside, really. Good low ball in towards the middle, and we just chucked bodies at it, and it was one of those things where it deflected in. I think Danny Johnson's goal, which was ruled out for offside, was probably onside looking back at the replays, but didn't really matter in the contest of things. I think had we managed to hang on and take it into extra time, I think we could be talking about a Mansfield win, given the fact we're at home and backed by over 7,000 fans. But uh, a really, really good cup tie in the end. Um, not uh, not too disheartened to go out the way we did. Disappointing, of course, to exit the competition, but the way we played sort of gives Mansfield fans hope about the next season. I'm under no illusions either that Middlesbrough, um, if they get the right investment in the transfer window and get a good couple more players in, we'll probably be back in the Prem this time next year. So uh, thanks for a great game and thanks for having me on the podcast. Really, really enjoyed it and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. See, great little voice note from Craig there. And I want to thank Craig as well for his for his content this week because he's helped us with Mansfield in a minute and then also his, his, his audio uh, piece there. And it was saying there, difference in class, never say die attitude, good cup tie all in all. Um, but Mansfield, just before we go on, I thought they were absolutely excellent yesterday. I think they're definitely in for a shout for the promotion as well. So hopefully, fingers crossed, cr- fingers crossed they can actually do with that. But again, when he was when Craig was saying quality, I think we just got very, 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 very lucky to to get through. But all in all, I'm happy we're in the fourth round. But let's break down the goals then, because Tom Uchik Piezu is someone who could potentially be leaving in the January window. But the absolute scream yesterday shows what he can do. Definitely, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a bit of a signature move of his because uh, you know we were all we were all in about uh, Tav being the championship Robin last year, but he does seem to have that finger out of kind of like holding the defender off, cutting in on his left and and launching into the top corner. I think it was his first game for us in the friendly Bishop Auckland, maybe where he did the same yeah. thing, and you know he, he's tried it at, at other points of the season. It was a great goal. And like we just said uh, a few weeks ago, really, he, he does bring something different to the team, even if it's not kind of our our usual pressing style for the forwards. Uh, he is a plan B. Uh, he's a big physical striker and he can do stuff like that. And uh, I mean, personally, I, I, I think he's it's he's a good uh, striker to have around for, for what he can offer. See, would you would you look to get rid now after that absolute screamer, Tom? Just keep him from around for a couple more weeks. To be honest, I, I wouldn't have been looking to get rid anywhere. Um, but obviously, doing something like that, it only kind of helps him, really, uh, probably in the eyes of Wilder. Mm, absolutely. Um, let's try about the talk about second goal then, because Caelan Boyer-Munsterner signed 24 hours previous, uh, previously, and then he's wheeled off in celebration 24 hours later. So, absolutely great moment for him. Um, but great work, great work from Joe Gibson as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a brilliant goal, to be fair. I mean, Gibson, probably he's probably the player that excites me the most from the academy because it's just the nature of the way that he plays. He's got that low centre of gravity, able to manipulate the ball away from defenders. Very versatile, could play, I think he could play down the left as well as the right because I watched a couple of under-23s clips the other day and he was on the left. Um, so he's versatile um, and he's nippy, he's quick, he's he's clever and he's pretty skillful as well not in the sense of you know he, he has a bag of tricks but he's skillful in a way that as I said he manip- he can manipulate the ball and that 
assist I think epitomizes what he can offer and it was brilliant for for Boyd Munts as well coming into the team and and I mean what a way I think that the, the word to describe Boyd Munts's Middlesbrough career so far in the short space of time is whirlwind because for him to to sign on Friday afternoon and then score on Saturday afternoon is absolutely brilliant for him and I thought he was good I thought his performance at Wembora in the first half were were controlling the game was really good. He looks good technically. He's got a good left foot on him, um, scored with his right, so that helps as well. And I thought there was a there was a lot of promise in him. Obviously, it was it was the first first time we've seen him, first time he's played in a while. But hopefully, he can he can be one of those signings that we kind of pick up from nowhere, and he can go on and and, and be a good player for us. Do you think him coming in, Dana, in the, in the way he was announced, do you think that he, we could see him potentially in the first team for the remainder of the season or would you would you see him more in the t- under-23s? Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, I mean, he's coming and he's taking the number 50 shirt. And I feel like yeah. when... Yeah, when it's our first number fifty, by the way, um, Sean Wilson mm-hmm. put that that uh, stat on Twitter. The best number fifty that is uh, played for Middlesbrough Football Club. But it's one of those where I think Borough will ideally be looking for somebody that is a first teamer. I don't really see Boy Munts being a first teamer, although I can see him having first team minutes this season. But I feel like we will probably want the player that maybe a Riley McGree. I know we've been linked with him. He's been linked in the in the papers today, though Celtic apparently are, are also in for him. So, yeah, I feel like Boyd Munster is going to be in and around the first team, but I don't think he's going to be a regular starter for for now. Obviously, he's a, he's a player with, with mid mid to long term in mind. Yeah, it's it's nice to see him elsewhere moving that transfer strategy as well for the long term as well. And it could be interesting to see what we do with him. Tom, do you have any thoughts on Boyd Munster? Do you think we might see him in the, in the first team? Um. I mean, possibly in if needed, um, you know, it, it might end up being like that kind of Julian Desart signing from a few years ago, where he's not really getting a look in. But if we are struggling for centre midfielders, he will play. Um, with him being left footed centre midfielder, obviously, I think if we have a bit of a crisis on that left hand side, then he could fit in. But I reckon it'll be between the under twenty threes and and kind of being on the bench for for the time being. Mm. So let, let's keep on the left-hand side then, because William Kukolo, that was a real struggle, that to get his name right there, <laughs> wasn't it? When it's Kukolo, um, he made his first half of Borough on, on the left side, left-hand side. How do you think he fared, Tom? Because we've got Neil Taylor there, we've got Baller. Do you think he could potentially fit into that role if need be? I thought he did well. Um, I think there were a couple of times where he was he was showing he was he was very very one footed um, because I think uh, his second half there was one point where he took the same player on three times trying to shift it onto his left foot to get a cross in rather than crossing it on his right, which I mean he did. So he's, he's clearly yeah, good with the ball at his that. feet, but um, yeah, he uh, he doesn't look like he has a right foot. Um, but I'll. Overall, I think he uh, he did well. Um, you know, he's probably going to have to be, you know, back up behind Baller and, and Taylor. I think let's not look in too much into how he did against League Two opposition, but I do think he, he he did well yesterday. And obviously, like like we've seen earlier this season, he is there in case we do have a crisis there, but. Uh, I think he's still got some improvements to to go before he can kind of get beyond the likes of Baller and Taylor. Do you think he needs a couple of loan spells to get himself up to speed? I don't think it could hurt. Um, I, I think if if he was playing consistently against that level of opposition, he'd only improve. 
Um, you know, I think he did well yesterday considering, you know, he he has only really played under under 23 football and then he's playing against competitive League Two team. Uh, did did well against them. You know, if if he's playing at that level every week, he's only going to get better. So yeah, I, I'd be all for that if he came up. Hmm. So let's let's keep t- talking about them, but, but that second half then, because Mansfield yesterday, Dana Mills didn't really look up to speed. We we're talking about Kokolo there, and we we're talking about a couple of players that seem to be tiring after that first twenty five minutes. Why do you think Bora went up to speed in that second half? Especially, obviously, you got COVID in there playing player part. But what, why do you think we went up to speed as much? I think there's a multitude of reasons, really. I think we've already mentioned the conditions. We've already touched on COVID, um, and I, I don't know how many training sessions the team have had since the, the little COVID outbreak that that we had. I can't imagine it had been a week's worth, so it might be difficult for them. But also, it was a, it was a much changed team, wasn't it? And Tom has already talked about the the press and how difficult it was for the the strikers that we had. Because when you've got the likes of Watmore and Sparrow, who were good in their movement on the ball and off the ball in the attacking phases, defensively as well, they're good at cutting down those uh, cutting out those passing lanes as well. So yeah, it was a bit difficult for us because it was a much changed side and one of the major takeouts from Chris Wilder's time so far is that he's made minimal changes the first change that he made was an enforced one because it was an injury in the defence and that's really what we've seen that if there's an injury in defence he will change it but if not they will kind of keep the same team and have that consistency so maybe it just means that well to be fair I don't think we should look into it too much because as as I said the, the, the starting lineup was so different and it won't we won't go into the next league game with that with that team so multiple multitude of reasons really but all in all yeah it was a it was a struggle I think we did tire and as I said at the top I think we we faded in the first half and we never really never really got back into it okay so just to play devil's advocate just to delve one more layer in um Tom both goals yesterday Bamber and Wood one was a corner, one was a through ball through, two mistakes. Could you think do you think they'd be a bit disappointed in the way that Mansfield got into the game there and scored those two goals? Yeah, I think starting off with the the first one, Bamba getting out jumped and and pretty much uh bullied by their centre back in the air. It's not something you see often. Uh it is a it is a worry though when you're seeing someone kind of a similar size or taller than Bam being able to do that to him. Uh especially with Redden as the next game and Andy Carroll being there. If Bamba keeps his place there, it, it would be a little bit concerning in the air. But he, he also needs to needed to concentrate a little bit more for that corner. I think I don't think he had any clue where that guy was behind him. Um, and and that was ended up being the reason why he, he couldn't compete in the air for that header. For for the second goal, um, yeah, I, I do think Wood could have uh, could have done better there. I think there was a mistake he, he made earlier on. Um, I don't think it ended up in in a offside goal, but it, it it was definitely a chance where he was in front of the man. And then kind of swung around to kind of approach it from the side and clear it out. And it ended up with the striker running through and he just kind of moved out the way for him. And it's not the first time I've seen Wood do that. Um, so I think Wood just needs, it, it's a bit of a difficult one, but he needs to coach that out of his game um, because I, I don't know why he did that. Uh, and his positioning just seems a little bit suspect at times. Um I think based on that, I wouldn't kind of be too confident if he was playing in the championship at the moment. 
Um, obviously, I think <clears throat> he's been brought back from Hibs with that being you know a long-term goal. But I do think Wilder has to do some work with him, uh, Wilder and the coach and stuff. So he need to do some work with him to to coach that part of his game and improve it and 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 make him a better all-round player because he, he did make quite a few mistakes yesterday. Yeah, his time at Hibs wasn't particularly great, was it? He only really had one appearance for them um, under Jack Ross. And do you think that he needs more time away than Tom to try and develop his game even further? So I appreciate you said there, Wilder and the coaching staff can coach stuff out of him, but also game time as well, because I felt like his mistakes yesterday were probably just due to rust of not playing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably going to have to be in the under-23s, right? Because I don't think he can play for another club this season, or is it one more club he might be able to play for? No, I don't Um, think he can play for another one. Yeah, so it'd have to be under-23s. And, you know, I I think when he's been brought through, there has been like a lot of hype about him. Um, And he clearly does have physical attributes, which would allow him to become uh, a very good centre-back. It's just he needs to work on the mental side of things. And you would think being in and in around the team, playing under-23s football regularly and having uh, that type of uh, mental attributes coached into him for the rest of the season could only help him from from that point. And then then hopefully, uh, you know, a long move or, or playing regularly for us next season if, if he has improved a lot. Um, but I, I feel like because of the hype he's came in with, uh, there has been quite a bit of pressure on him to, to perform. And... He, I mean, he's done well at times. I remember in the Brentford game, I thought his passing from the back was very good. And then there's other parts of it, like the positioning and and, and mental side of things, which haven't been. So, uh, obviously, I think in terms of pressure, we probably need to lay off uh, a little bit there and just kind of let, let Wilder work with him for, for the rest of the season and hopefully kind of fit him into the system and, and, and grow as a player, really. Oh, absolutely. I think you're absolutely spot on there. Tom was saying letting the air out and just letting the coach and staff deal with that because a few weeks on one or even a year down the line, we could have a really, really good centre-back there. I think he has all the potential in the world, Nathan Wood. I just think it could be a, a case of needing game time. Is there anything else that you want to add, Dana, before we move into the present place? Oh, I just echo his thoughts on Nathan Wood there. I think because he broke in as a 16-year-old, obviously Bora's youngest ever player, it's easy to forget that he's still only really young. I think he's 19. I think Nathan Wood is probably two or three years away from being a, a regular for us. And it just looks like, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, Johnny. He looked rusty. He looked slow and sluggish off the mark. He did only play one game for Hibs, and it was such a shame that that loan spell didn't bear fruit for him because... He really, I think he really needs a lone move. So for me, I know he's he, he can't play for another team because he's already played for two this season, Borough and Hibs. But he needs a lone move as soon as we can do that. Really. Okay then. So let's move into the present place then, because I felt like I've I've drilled so much into those games to try to get your opinions. But let's move to present place. Chris Wilder winning, winning manager of the month this week with Azai Jones winning player of the month for the first time I think since Karanka and Clayton I think I believe. Who would you like to praise this week, Dana? Who do you want to go first? You can go first. Well, I feel or is like there are a few. Yeah, a few I feel like every week it's it's just going to be Jones, isn't it? Really, I think that we should name the praising place the Isaiah Jones praising place because it just seems to be him a lot. I mean, he came on and he made an impact. Um, but also, I thought Johnny Housen was 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 good. Um, when we started the game, or sorry, when we got into the game after Mansfield's good start, his pressing was really good. Um, he did play that pass through to Jones that led to the goal. So I think Housen was good, Jones was good. 
but then it was a it was mixed. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna praise Uche a bit. I think because his work was. I mean, he, he worked incredibly hard. I think you can tell that in terms of the Chris Wilder where he doesn't perfectly suit that. He doesn't, it's not like really natural to him. The kind of work off the ball. Um, I mean, he, he's a hard worker, isn't he, Uche? And his strength is is unbelievable. Really, the goal that he scored was was fantastic and really hard. This is what he is good at. Um, so I, I would give praise to to Uche. He did fade as pretty much the whole team did. But yeah, three players there that I think parts of their game I, I really enjoyed. Okay, so Uche, Jones, and Housen. Uh, Tom, who are you going to go for? Yeah, I think obviously Jones is the obvious one, uh, and it's it's every week now. But I, I thought you know the the delivery for for that own goal at the end, it does seem to be something he's worked on quite a bit because we've scored a fair few goals in the last few games uh, from him kind of drilling a low ball across the face of goal. Um, and and it, it reminds me of, you know, when, when Traore finally got end product under Pulis <laughs> and then finally started being a bit more sensible. I mean, not 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 to say that Jones wasn't anyway, but like I don't think his delivery was that good in the earliest parts of the season. And I think that's just been such an improvement now. And it's it's becoming such a, such an important thing for us. Um you know, obviously, we're probably going to need, need to balance that on the left side so we don't get found out. But uh, I, I think it's um, it, it's such an improvement from Jones. Um, and then Oche, you know, he, he, like I said earlier, he's, he's not a player I'd, I'd like to see sold. And he is a player I always kind of enjoy watching. I thought he, he battled really well yesterday. I thought there was some, some uh, unfair decisions given against him. Um <laughs> from from him being pretty much dragged down and the referee giving him the other way, um, but it, it's he's got such a good attitude every time he plays. He's he's always fighting for it, and I, I think we said this early in the season. Such a change from like the likes of like Britain Fletcher for the last couple of years, where they haven't put that same level of effort in. So uh, yeah, praise him and also uh, Lee Peltier as well. Um, yeah. At start. Start of the season when when we signed him, he's not a player I expected to be playing a lot. Um, but I mean, he, he has done, and every time he's came to the to the team, I think he's he's looked really solid. And there was one point yesterday where he just flew into a fifty fifty and and absolutely launched the ball, and I was like, yes, that is proper football. That well done, Pelly. <laughs> that that alone put him in the present place for me. Uh, to be honest, I'm, Lee Peltier was on was on my lips as well because I think he's been so consistent since he came. He's came to the club, and I, I think that for someone who's been so experienced and someone who we didn't think anything of when he first signed, um, he's actually surprised quite a lot of us in terms of his professionalism, his, his performance, his consistency. And I think he's, he's someone you can rely on as well. I think Bamba's the same at times. Appreciate Bamba is suspect at times. Um, and his, his social media team think we're playing in the Premier League. But the moral of the story is um, that that Bamba is is being very very consistent as well. Appreciate that that, that loose cannon side, but very very good. Peltier very good as well. And I think it's only right that we we put Chris Wilder in the prayers and place as well because for him to come in and for us to be so 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 good in such a short space of time. For him to win manager for the month is absolutely superb. Obviously, when we when I found out and then told you guys <laughs> before I was announced, it was like, oh no, we're going to be absolutely cursed here. Um, and obviously, I thought Jones would be cursed as well yesterday, but to get an assist as well, I think it's be absolutely su- superb. Six wins in seven, 
absolutely brilliant. Can't remember the last time Borough been in such good form, and it's been a very, very good start to Chris Wilder's reign. And I think it'll probably continue given how, how well we've started. Um, but like I mentioned there, guys, what what's your thoughts on the improvement? Because like I said, six wins and seven, it's unheard of in at Middlesbrough Football Club, isn't it, Dana? Yeah, it shows just how good a manager Chris Wilder is, though, because what I've heard of him is that he doesn't have to have the best team in the world or the best selection of players, but he can elevate the players that he has to a level where they are much better and much superior to what they used to be. And I was kind of thinking, there's no real player that I think can kind of push us up to the top six it's all down to Chris Wilder because we could have a player that is let's be honest bang average and he can make them very good so he has been absolutely fantastic the change around in such a short space of time as you said has been so impressive and is the sign of a very good manager and we are so blessed to have him in charge because he is as I've mentioned before one of if not the best champion uh, ch- yeah, championship manager out there and he's at Millsborough Football Club so that's that's a reason to be happy and to be really excited about the season to come mind you that that manager of the month uh, award it's going to be a, it's going to be called a curse isn't it because at some point our form is going to kind of dip as all runs you know all good runs come to an end but we are playing such good football that it's it's just so easy to feel really enthused by by what we're um what we're serving up right now. Absolutely. Tom, is there anything else to tell about Chris Wilder's run? I think it's just it's just so impressive what he's done. I mean, you've got to love a new manager bounce, but it, it never happens to <laughs> us. Like even in our more successful period in recent history, it did take about what five or six games before we actually started scoring. Um so I mean, especially after the last, uh, the first two games of Wilder's reign as well, was it uh, Millwall and, and then 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 that loss against Preston? You thought maybe this is going to take a little bit longer to to implement and get into get into place, but we went on such a good run since then, um, and and like we've said quite a lot over the last couple of weeks, there's not really on the form we're on and how we're playing. There's not really another team in the championship we're fearing at the moment, and. You know, comparing that to, to where we were in September and October, like you'd been looking at the likes of Swansea and Bournemouth and thinking, right, we're going to get absolutely battered at home here and it's, it's not going to be a, a fun Saturday at all. But you go into those games now and it, it's full of confidence. So, yeah, can can only uh, be really impressed with what he's managed to do in uh, such a short space of time. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what we do to add to that and appreciate this week we signed Connolly, Boyd Munz, Valarin Balogun is good, potentially going to be coming in um, this week. But to get a bit more of a flavour of transfers and Boris transfer policy in, in this month and beyond, we asked Gazette reporter Craig Johns about the change in Boris recruitment policy. I actually asked Chris Wilder this after the Mansfield game, given uh, Boyd Munz had obviously only signed yesterday, came straight into the side and... and had a rather in, in, impressive debut, I think, all things considered, uh, and of course uh, made an immediate impact with with the goal too. Um, so I, I did ask Wilder after the game whether we could expect um, any more signings of, of, of this kind. Boyd Munt, it's fair to say, is is one with the future in mind, long term vision. He's a player they've identified at twenty one year old who. Who, um, if you like, you know, could be a hidden gem. They won't have spent too much um, in in purchasing him from Birmingham, and they will hope that if all goes to plan, 
you know his his value his his uh, his market value will will skyrocket uh, and in terms of that kind of hidden gem untapped potential type of player that we do know Borough are now kind of looking for as part of the transfer strategy I did ask Wilder if if we could expect more of those kind of signings in the January transfer window but rather interestingly um, Wilder said the priority remains the the kind of more short he said short term but I think what what he means is the kind of more immediate impact type signings so more in in the style of, of Aaron Connolly we do know that they are in talks with uh, numerous Premier League clubs over loans they will be looking at uh, permanent where possible too but players who are you know capable and ready of, of stepping straight into the first team squad Wilder has made clear he wants to you know rebalance this Borough squad he wants to to add strength to it and and he's quite clear in his mind you know as to how he strengthens so in terms of of Burris uh, kind of policy or strategy for the rest of the January transfer window it was quite quite clear that those kind of more immediate impact deals are the priority and uh, indeed for Lauren Bolligan looks like he is going to join join on loan from Arsenal which you know, will 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 make the striker options look uh, a damn sight better than what they were before the window, which is uh, really positive. I think in in that term, I know they are both loan deals, but you know, very early in the window, Borough have struck two very good, promising young strikers uh, on loan from Premier League clubs. So essentially, you know, Kieran Scott and the and the um, recruitment team will be without doubt identifying numerous players across the globe as well, not just in England, very much in similar vein to Boyd Munch, you know, this kind of untapped potential hidden gem type player. And and indeed, when, when Scott was first arriving at Middlesbrough, uh, one of the big things that I was told, you know, kind of attracted Middlesbrough to him was his, um, you know, world kind of knowledge of of players uh, by all accounts um you know Kieran Scott has has really really thorough detail on on players in for example the Belgium top tier but also the Scottish third tier uh, he's got such a broad kind of knowledge and you know kind of detail on on so many players the world over and and that was one of the big things that attracted Borough to bring in Scott to the club and in in terms of you know where might the look we've mentioned that you know Balogun is is looking likely to come in that means two strikers in in this window and and, and that makes up front looking quite healthy I would say now where else might the target it's a difficult one Chris Wilder kind of understandably keeps his cards close to his chest he seems, with everything he said, quite satisfied with his goalkeeper options. Joe Lumley was was once again not overly convincing in the win over Mansfield. But but Wilder's always kind of been big on on Lumley in terms of praising him for for what he's done so far. I still do feel in the long term, Middlesbrough do need a new number one goalkeeper. I don't think they've got a solid number one goalkeeper at the club right now. Whether or not January is the right month to find that I'm not sure it's a difficult one and that's why I, I'm, I'm wondering if that's why Wilder has you know said what he said on his goalkeepers 
because ultimately he knows this will be a difficult month to kind of recruit and find a new number one and and, and therefore that might be one for the summer but I certainly think in the long term Borough probably will be looking for a new number one goalkeeper in terms of this month I still feel again despite what he said in terms of why they weren't recalling Jed Spence from his loan spell at Nottingham Forest I do still feel that they could do with uh, your backup for Isaiah Jones central midfield was somewhere that might potentially look to strengthen uh, this this window particularly as um, James Leasley he's obviously away at the Africa Cup of Nations probably won't be back until early February now they've brought in Boyd Munz of course so I do wonder you know he's, he's he is only 21 he's a young boy and I asked Wilder about kind of his first team prospects and he and he was honest in saying that he is a young boy he's 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 got a lot of development to do and he's one more for the future he he, he kind of said is is he going to challenge for a first team spot in the next two to four weeks probably not but that was in relation to, the, to his uh, you know kind of you know physical the physical side of things and he, in his fitness because he hasn't played a lot in recent months so I do think as as a kind of left-footed midfielder as well that probably potentially if he does see Boyd Munz as, as kind of first team backup if you like they're probably okay in in central midfield obviously uh, a big one will be will be Neil Taylor at left wing back as well and all sounds well in terms of of Taylor um, signing a contract extension but that is of course to me of vital importance because of course we know Mark Bowler is going to be out until till uh, March and so you know they need to get Taylor signed up to a new deal and, and and if for whatever reason that doesn't come off, then of course they, they will absolutely need to sign a, a new left wing back. But as I say, all sounds well on that front, and I, I don't think there's any expectation that, that Taylor won't sign that new deal, despite some reports of, of interest from elsewhere. So yeah, in terms of, of, of where Borough could also look in the rest of the January window, I think they'd probably be looking at a goalkeeper, but I'd be surprised if they can find one uh, where the financial terms will be right for them this month right wing back cover, potentially a centre back, potentially a central midfielder but again of less priority because of the Boyd Munts signing. That would be my kind of feeling based on how the squad currently looks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so thanks for that, Craig. Um, goalkeeper, it was a big one that we're going to probably review in a, in a short while. Um, but guys, are you happy with the way Middlesbrough are looking to bring players in now, especially with a future in mind? Yeah, for sure. And a point that I was thinking about this week is when we look back on the January last season, yes, we brought in players that were on paper an improvement on the ones that we already had, but there were players that didn't fit the system that we were playing. I remember we went into that into that uh, month, sorry, playing really well in a 3-5-2 and, and that was the formation that was our more successful one in that first half of the campaign. We brought in wingers where it, it just didn't really complement that wing-back system. And of course, you're going to play Cabano and, and Balassiani and you bring them in on loan. There's no way they're going to come in and just sit on the bench. So that was probably a reason looking back as to why we did fall off after last January because we just didn't have the right options whereas this season and this month it seems as though we are bringing in players that fit the way that Chris Wilder is setting up his team already and it's just complementing what we're already doing but but improving it because you see and, and Tom spoke about it we've spoken about it on this podcast about we are reliant on that right-hand side. I still think overall it's decently balanced, but I think that's only really because we are winning at the moment. As soon as you start to lose a couple of games, it'll probably spotlight that left-hand side a little bit more. So with the signing of Connolly and with Balogun coming in as well, that left-hand side will improve because, of course, they're not wingers, but they're strikers that dip into the channels and into the half spaces and connect that left-hand side up. So the business that we are doing so far it's balancing out the, and we spoke about this a lot, and I don't know whether I'm honing in too much on it, but the only reason I am is because Chris Wilder did mention it in one of his first press conferences. It's having the left footers on the left and right footers on the right. That balance is, is, is really good to see us target players like that. And we are all in all, by all accounts and the signings uh, and the players that we have been linked with so far, we are just complementing and adding more meat to the bones of what we've already got. Whereas... Like like I said, last January it was completely different. We kind of tore up a winning formula. Mm. What what's your thoughts on Balogun then signing Dana? Because what do you think he brings to the team tactically? You were saying they're only like the half space is getting in behind. Do you think it's going to be something similar to what we see with like the likes of Watmore trying to get in, trying to get in behind? Yeah, I mean I've read a few scouting reports on Balogun. It, the caveat is that he hasn't really played too much um, senior football a lot of the successes that he has had in his uh, short career so far have been in the in the under-23s for Arsenal but there is a scout report from from one goal uh, yeah one goal that I'm reading here um, and it says that he's a, a do-it-all striker with very little weaknesses uh, in his game I'll just read it out now he says uh, he's extremely comfortable uh, with both feet sorry give random YouTube videos playing um, he's comfortable with both feet demonstrates blistering place uh, to get in behind centre-backs when making runs, uh, confident playing with his back to goal uh, and his ability to find pockets of space to exploit the other team's back line uh, is one of his best attributes. So what I take from that, 
both footed so he doesn't really have a, a weak foot which is brilliant um obviously versatile uh, hopefully that can kind of elevate his finishing as well we've seen from stats that he's is a fantastic goal scorer whether he can replicate that at senior level remains to be seen um, but by all accounts, his skill set really suits this team, uh, exploiting the spaces, picking up the pockets of space, which is what we've seen with Watmore and Sparrow. They, they, their off-the-ball movement is good to be able to see where in between the lines that they can drop to receive the ball and pace quick off the mark. Good with his back to goal, as that, as that scouting report says. It seems as though all around <coughs> his skill set is very good. It's just whether or not we can see that. And I do have faith because this isn't just the player that we've kind of picked out from nowhere. I trust the recruitment team. And also there is big things expected of Balogun. Being a, a Premier League team, hopefully we can see that bear fruit in the championship. Absolutely. Tom, what, what's your thoughts on, on the transfer of him, of him coming in? Dana seems to be really impressed with what Mills were doing. How do you see him fitting in as well? Um, I, I think he's going to just be on that left-hand side of the the two strikers with either Spira Connolly or Watmore on the other side. Um, as Dennis said, he doesn't really have a weak foot, but I think he is predominantly left-footed. Um, and from the brief kind of cameo that I saw of him the other week when it was uh, Arsenal versus Sunderland, obviously in that game he was kind of uh, overshadowed by Nketiah on the other side, but he did look very comfortable when he had the ball at his feet. Um, and, and very comfortable with dribbling. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that um, and, and him getting in behind on the left-hand side. I think he's going to open up a few more angles for kind of shots across the face of goal at the moment where, you know, with who we've got up front at the moment, you'd have like Hernandez or Spira trying to pull it onto their right foot to, to hit that at goal. Um, it, it's going to be nice to have a striker up there who's comfortable with both feet and, and comfortable in any position to, to get a shot off. Um, you know, I, th- I think a kind of recent example of that that we've had left foot strike would have been Patrick Bamford. And, you know, a look at the success he had uh, as, as our as our loan sign in the championship. So hopefully, uh, you know, with, with the big things expected from Balogun as well, uh, hopefully it might be a bit of a similar impact. Are you slightly concerned with his lack of lack of game time, Tom? No, not not particularly. Um, obviously, he's got to start getting that game time somewhere. Um, if he was playing consistently for Arsenal, we wouldn't be signing him. Um, and you know, you know, it's it's going to be something that that we have looked into quite a lot. He's got tremendous success for for all of Arsenal's youth teams that he's played in. There's big things expected of him. It's just going to be be good to see him kind of um, transfer that into competitive championship level um, and, and hopefully he's going to perform well. Mm. So let's go on the other side of the pitch then because goalkeepers, who was mentioned quite a lot in what Craig was saying, it was, and also we got a lot of questions about goalkeepers this week. So I just want to shout out to Matt, Ted, Kitney, Carl and Darren for giving us a lot of questions on the goalkeepers. Appreciate we have brought Sol Brim back since we did the last podcast. Um and Stjanovic has went on loan to Ingolstadt and in, in Germany. So, with that in mind, Tom, why do you think Borough fans are worried about the goalkeeper department? I think it's just because up until Wilders joined, neither of the goalkeepers have, have kind of really, um, really kind of grabbed that number one shirt. Really, uh, and, and you look at like past seasons where we've had the likes of Randolph or. Uh, you know, pe- people like that who have consistently performed. Uh, there have been errors in the performances between uh, Lumley and Daniels. Mm. I think since Wilder came in, 
I don't think Lumley's done that bad. I, I will kind of defend him a little bit there because you know he's he's got clean sheets. It's uh, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. We seem to be limiting people to low quality uh, chances outside the box, and you know when called upon, he has done well. Fair enough. It was a bit of a shaky game yesterday, um, and to be honest, I would put that a lot down to, to the conditions. I think um, mm. you know, knowing firsthand playing goalkeeper in conditions like that, it is a nightmare. That that one uh, that that goal that got ruled offside where it slipped out from his hands. That's happened to me before. You know, five aside, eleven aside, seven aside. Uh, it, it's a nightmare to play in those types of conditions. You'd obviously expect a little bit more consistently than for, uh, consistency from from a championship goalkeeper than you know amateur level football or whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't kind of criticise him too much for that. Um, but obviously, we we as fans remember what Lumley and Daniels were like before Wilder. So if you're seeing something like that in the game yesterday, or uh, you know some you know uh, sh- shaky performances, um, then it, it's going to kind of cash your man back and and just think kind of he's not coached out of it, or you know the confidence was up for a little bit, but he's maybe going back to what he was doing before, and and that's probably causing a little bit of the uneasiness um, with, with um, the fans being worried about the the goalkeeping department. Mm, he dives to the left, he dives to the right. Tom Green, he'll serve him all night. Um, <laughs> it depends what um, type of form I'm on, this. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does. But hey, hey when, you're, when you're on top form, Tom, you're like a brick wall. Um, but what, what do you think a change of goalkeeper could potentially bring to a side then? Because like you mentioned there, Randolph, I remember Shea Givens' time at the club was very, very good under Karanga and... You know, we had when we had Dimi in goal as well. It seemed to have that that steadiness and calmness to the side. But what what else do you think it can bring? Uh, it, it's kind of like a, a new manager bounce at times, isn't it? I think you you mentioned there Shane uh, Shane Given when he came in for Jason Steele, there was such a a change in confidence. I mean, fair enough that coincided with Karanka taking over and. Uh, you, you know, kind of restructuring what we were doing tactically and stuff. But the defence did look a lot more comfortable during that time. And I think it's, you know, it, it's fair to say towards the end of that season, it, it didn't start off great for Demi. Uh, you know, there was that game where, I think it was QPR at the Riverside, where the ball at the bottle top and went over his foot and went in. Like, and, and, and people were kind of like questioning him a little bit at that point. But he did improve and... And like we said before, it was very similar and probably one of the only similarities between the current side and this one is that we were limiting teams a lot to low-quality chances. And when you're doing that, you, you're more needing a kind of shot-stopper, which I think Lumley is, and I think Dimmy did really well with at that point as well. So when when you're changing a goalkeeper, it can potentially you know improve a side like we saw uh, under Given, under Randolph, uh, you know, Dimmy at the start of the next season, uh, kind of after that. Um, but I suppose if you if you're chopping and changing a bit too much, like we were earlier in the season, it can kind of create some inconsistencies between the goalkeeper and the back line as well. Mm, absolutely, um, Dana. Craig mentioned it there that Middlesbrough probably do need a goalkeeper, but he wouldn't expect. He, he thinks Middlesbrough find it quite difficult. But do you expect Borough to probably <clears throat> go in for a goalkeeper then? I would like to hope so, to be honest. And I think with Joe Lumley, he's never really going to convince. I think I've accepted that, to be honest. He never really convinced at QPR. 
I don't think he particularly convinced that much in, in his lawn spells from the kind of brief research I did quite a few uh, weeks ago now. Um, so I just feel like he's he's probably one of those goalkeepers that is never really going to have the full back in, really. There's always going to be a niggling doubt at the back of people's minds of, oh, can Joe Lumley, you know, is he going to spill this? Is he going to save this? What's he going to do here? There's, there's question. I think there's always going to be question marks over him, to be honest. And if Borough are serious about wanting to get promoted, I do think we need to improve that that number one position because I just don't think Lumley's really good enough for, mm. or reliable enough, should I say, for, for a top six team, which is obviously what we're trying to be at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do agree with Craig. I don't expect Borough to get an, another goalkeeper in this month because surely the goalkeeper that we ideally want would be a number one for another team. I can't imagine us wanting a kind of second fiddle goalkeeper to bring them in it, it just kind of means that we we'll, we might have three second fiddle goalkeepers and then a youngster in Sol Britain so I can see where Craig is why Craig is saying that I think the summer is definitely where we'll look for a number one mm. well it's all well and good me and us saying that we should go for a goalkeeper and trying to you know we need we, we need to improve it so with that in mind then who should we realistically be looking at to get in? Because I've asked you to do a little bit of homework this week on that. So is there any keepers in mind that we should be looking at? Dana, do you want, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, there's a goalkeeper that I emailed maybe last season when he was on loan at Accurate and Stanley that was top of the, the, the sort of save percentage charts. And then he got a season-ending injury. Currently contracted to Chelsea, but he's on loan in the Championship at Hull and it's Nathan Baxter. He is currently on 85.3 save percentage. The caveat of that is that he's only played eight games. But given the fact that, or the, the previous knowledge of his save percentage at Accrington, and I think it was more games uh, than that eight, I reckon that if he was to continue the way that he's playing at the moment, he would probably be up there in terms of save percentage. And Hull, I mean, when we played them, Obviously, they beat us, but there was a lot of question marks over Grant McCann's future and there was a lot of toxicity, I guess, behind the scenes uh, or in the stands because fans wanted the owners out and they wanted the manager out as well. So their form was very sour. And then Nathan Baxter comes into the team and really their upturning form coincided with him coming into the team for Matt Ingram. So for me, he's he's a fantastic goalkeeper. He's very highly rated at Chelsea. The whole fans love him. Good distribution, good shot stopper. Um good command in his area and his save percentage so far this season and Accrington says it all. So I think him, it, probably my number one target. I kind of wanted him or wanted Borough to potentially go in for him when he was at Accrington. Um, he said that he's open to a move to Hull on a permanent deal. So that, I guess, is a signal for other championship teams that he could be available in the summer on a permanent deal. But there's also another geek uh, keeper that's at Chelsea that's on loan uh, and it's Jamie Cumming in the one he's playing for Gillingham um, in terms of save percentage as well and the reason I'm looking at save percentage is because I think clean sheets are much like assists kind of a, a bit of a skewed metric because clean sheets could be just as, as much for defenders as goalkeepers so save percentage at 74.6 which is the fourth best in league one so He's another one that, that we could potentially look at. The only thing with him, I think his distribution is very much kick it and hoof it under Steve Evans at Gillingham. Uh, but there's another two goalkeepers as well that I, do, I just want to mention. Luke Southwood comes up very well in terms of save percentage in the championship. And there's also Marco Hiller from my German side, uh, 8 and 60 Munich, that I think could uh, 
to be honest, I think is a championship quality goalkeeper. So there's four keepers there I'm just going to reel off. Hey, that's not a bad four. That's not a bad four at all. I mean, well, Tom, what do you have? Because we'll keep added to this list because there's a good, four good uh, signs there, the Middles were signed yeah. four, four goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, when when I was looking into it, I was looking into a kind of British-based goalkeepers predominantly, just uh, keeping the um, the work permit rules in mind. So I didn't quite have, have time to kind of dig into the uh, like South American leagues or anything like trying to pull the same type of thing we were with Piero. Um, but obviously a name that was on my list at the start of the season and I just love him as a goalkeeper really so I'll keep suggesting him Bialkowski from Millwall we we should have went for him when he uh, when his contract was expiring but he has re-signed uh, contract extension since then uh, to expire next June issue is he's 34 so it might only be a two or three year fix you won't but... stop until we sign him he will be 50 years old so, and, and we will sign him and we'll finally be happy <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think we saw when we played Millwall at Riverside, he is a great shot stopper. Um, would suit how we, we limit close range chances, got a, a lot of height on him. The only issue kind of there is the um, the distribution from him kind of isn't great. It's uh, kind of what Dana just said there. It's very much kind of uh, a kick it and hoof it. So it, it would have to be something different kind of coached into him there. When I was looking at this, the save percentage uh, charts, Nathan Baxter's name was one that came up. Uh, Dan sort of covered that. Um, and then the the other uh, name I have on the, on the list was actually from Scotland. Uh, so Liam Kelly from Motherwell, uh, good shot stopper, good distribution. Um, you know, there's already been things written about him potentially going to Celtic or Rangers one day. Uh, and you look at who else is kind of above him uh, in the save percentage chart in the in the Scottish League, it's only really McGregor, Hart, and Craig Gordon who I didn't realise was still playing. Oh. <laughs> but, he must um, be fifty now, surely. Yeah, yeah he has to be. <laughs> but uh, you know, they're all very very experienced goalkeepers, so you'd expect them to be doing well in in the Scottish League anyway. But you know, the Motherwell fans uh, love Liam Kelly. The the only kind of uh, issue for me on on my mind looking at uh, kind of his his past spells is that the fact that he went to QPR and lost his place to Dieng, as did Joe Lumley. So it's it's like right, is, is he that much difference? But um, <laughs> you know, from from some of the the video that I've watched of him, his distributions absolutely quality. Um, you you look at him playing out to the wide players from Motherwell, and it's so pinpoint. Uh, it, it's just it's ridiculous to watch. Um, and the shot stopping's great as well, so could potentially be one to look into. Mm. Some really good, uh, really good signs. I can see Middlesbrough scout reports going. Oh, what did he say again? Who was it? Like, who was it? Kelly, Kelly, Motherwell. See, with you guys, you've kept you've kept quite British Isles. I've went a little bit left field, but to be fair, the first one is is. Um, a very left field one from uh, from my beloved on the election. It's Van Bruges, uh, Van Crombrugge. Um, very very good at distribution, good shot stopper. Um, but appreciate he is first choice, and I can't see company wanting to part ways with it at the moment. So fair play, but I feel like he'd be a good sign. Commands his box very very well. But the thing is, Van der Lech, that they just they just give away sloppy sloppy goals at times, um, which isn't fun. Um, but the other two um, or three, I could say is I went with one was Tom Heaton at Manchester United for like to the end of the season loan deal. Just someone experienced, good distribution, cheap on wages. 
thought it might sort of get over the line. I thought it might be a quite a good sign for us to, to command this box. Uh, Alex Ukeja at Mets uh, in France. So playing on the, the French League, having no money at the moment. They're all, all teams are willing to sell because of the TV rights are all up in the air and teams need money. Very, very good shot stopper. Very good distribution. Um, so I thought, you never know, 33-year-old Algerian international could be a, could be a route for us as well. Um, and then I went with, I got a last in the um, Stad Brest. I just thought, 24-year-old, second choice at the moment. Last season, he had one of the best distribution rates in the league. And, and I thought, since Mills were trying to play out from the back a little bit more, would it be worth going for someone who's very, very good at distributing rather than shot stopping as much? But I don't know. It's a hard one because it's like the goalkeepers now, they have to be very, very good at shot stopping and distribution at the same time. Where previously, in, you could even look up 10 years ago, it wasn't really sort of as much. It was only really Neuer who was kind of like that player, that, that goalkeeper who would, could only really do that. But they're my three, three or four. And I just thought, you never know. It's a bit left field on some of them, but who knows? They could get them over the line. We need a striker. But if Mills were signed Tom Heaton on a loan deal, so end of the season, actually wouldn't be mad at it. There, I said it. But I feel like I feel like Danny, you're looking at me through crucified. Like, don't you do it. Don't, don't, don't do that, Bora. Don't do that. No, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm in between. Uh, so it's come off there, you start crucifying me for it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> let's look ahead to Reading then, um, because on Millsburg next week, play Reading, who crashed out of the FA Cup on Saturday to Kidderminster Harriers, who are in the sixth tier of English football, so the same league as Darling and Spenny. Um, the Royals have struggled so far this season. Ian got deducted six points for financial fair play rules. Um, to get a little bit more uh, on Reading, we reached out to our friends uh, at Elm Park Royals podcast with Matt, um, and he said... Well, to give us, you know what? Let's get a little bit of flavour from Matt from the Elm Park, Elm Park Royals book. Wow, Reading season has been, in a word, a nightmare. Um, we started off with a disastrous run of form, really. I don't think we picked up a win before the first international break. Um, and then, strangely, we absolutely flipped that on its head afterwards and uh, won five of the next six. But since since then, we've only won... Two in twelve, um, with a loss of uh, with a run of losses, um, I think four or five, um, not great. Um, so, yeah, things look worse because of the points deduction. Obviously, we're just above the relegation zone, but things on the field haven't been going much better. Um, part of that is because of our huge injury list. Um, at times, we've barely been able to field a full eleven. Um, Lucas Yao and Yakumete have been out since the start of the season, so that's a real blow because those two are our two top goal scorers from not just last season, but like the past few seasons. Uh, our right back spot uh, has been made even weaker this this January because Andy Yeardom's off to Afcon. Uh, Felipe Aruna, who just got back from injury, has been re-injured in the FA Cup tie yesterday. Uh, so we're looking at uh, Tyrrell Ashcroft and Dejan Tatek playing there, who are two academy players. Uh, left back is similar with uh, Barbara Rahman, also off to AFCON. Um, and Ethan Bristow was playing there at the beginning of the year, but didn't really impress. Although, to be fair to him, he was playing in like a weird left back, left wing hybrid role. Um, yeah, so we've brought in Andy Carroll up front um, since the last time we played you, I think. Um, and... That's been an interesting one to try and wrap your head around because obviously he does 
offer an immense aerial threat, but it's pretty clear his legs have gone and it, 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 there are definite pros and there are really definite cons. So he'll probably start um, next Saturday because I think it's the last game that he can play in before his two-month contract was up. The manager is the source of much um, discourse over the last, well, ever since the downturn of form last season, really, which happened in January, February time, uh, there's been questions around him. Uh, Yesterday's loss to Kidderminster has just made those even worse. It was the first time I'd heard... Uh, getting sacked in the morning chance from our own fans. Um, we have lost uh, two goal leads at home on three occasions this season, twice to draw and once to lose. So that's um, really not been helping him. And one of those was in the Derby game on Monday, uh, which was our first game in about three weeks because of a COVID layoff in our own team. Um, so things just haven't been going well for the manager, but... I think many think that it's probably a time for change. Um, the, the issue with that being that we now have a very congested January um, and any transfer plans is presumably at least in part drawn up by the current manager, uh, Valko Panovic. So, yeah, the atmosphere around the club has just got quite toxic. I mean, I say transfer plans for January. There, there probably aren't many. Uh, trying to sign Andy Carroll to a longer-term contract is definitely one of them. Uh, but outside of that, we've got Brandon Mason on on trial um, as potential left-back cover. I'm not sure whether that will happen or not. Um, but we're just still hamstrung by our finances and, and the, the business arrangement that we came to with the EFL over transfers and whatnot, uh, which is why we've got a six-point deduction this season as well because of our overspend in the last few years. So, yeah, it's just... It's not a great place to be. And for that reason, uh, I think it will probably be a comfortable Middlesbrough win. I mean, the the one thing that Reading fans cling on to uh, nowadays is that we've gone to places like Fulham and just pulled it out of the bag. But that was with a fit squad um, and, and players like Ovi Ajaria playing really well on that day. Um, and he is conspicuous by his absence currently. So who knows what's going on there? Uh, apparently it's an injury, but... Yeah, just just another one on the injury list. I'll, I'll go for a 2-0 Middlesbrough win. Um, and that should really say all, all that it needs to. So, Matt, not very confident at all. Um, <laughs> uh, it, a, lot of, a lot of injuries um, and everything seems to be falling apart for Ren at the moment. I just want to thank Matt as well for his, his voice up there. We do appreciate it. Um, but guys, are you surprised with Reading this season at all? Because last year, you know, they were fighting for that playoff spot and just seems to have gone all apart for them, hasn't it, Tom? Yeah, I mean, based on what I saw at the start of this season, when I, I went to Reading away, not surprised at all that they're down there because that was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> From who? Both, both. We we made them look good somehow, and they weren't even that good, and and we were absolutely <laughs> atrocious. So, um, yeah, not not surprised they're they're down there at the moment. A little bit more surprised when you look at, at last season, but uh, you know, with, with the injuries they've they've had and stuff this season, and and, and kind of not being able to to sign many people, and not uh, really not surprised uh, at the decline at all. Mm. Okay, and Dana, uh, how are you feeling about it as well? Because they are falling apart, they're out of form. It could typical Borough come come back again the Hornets? 
It could do. And uh, to be fair, I've been thinking about this game and thinking about a draw, Mm 1-1. So I I feel like they can pull a result out. And if we are going to drop points, I feel like it's just going to be against these, isn't it? It's absolutely ravaged by injuries, points deduction, toxicity, players, uh, sorry, fans wanting the manager out. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about this one. I'm not going to lie. It's nailed on 1-0 Andy Carroll, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Um, with that in mind, then what are your predictions? Because Matt said two and a Middlesbrough win. Are you guys feeling confident or not? Go on, Denny, and go first. I'm just going to go 1 1. I'm going to stick with one the one. prediction that one. I just mentioned yeah. there. Yeah, 1 1. Oh, okay. So I double checked the chat in case you changed your mind. Um, Tom, what, what do you want to go for? You know, I'm, I'm going to go reverse of the away fixture. I'm going to go 1 0 Borough. Okay, 1 0 Borough. Um, I'm going to go with. I think we'll win easy. Now I've said that, touch words, it happens. Uh, I think we'll win three. I think I'll touch my head. Uh, I think we'll win three nil. I think we'll win three nil. Um, just feel confident. I think we're riding away. But at the moment, I think we look really, really good. And if the players come back fit and have a few more training sessions, and obviously if COVID's not too much of a problem for us, um, I think we could could put in a really good shift and hopefully get th- uh, three points and continue this great run. Um, you're both looking at me like I've, you know, I've lost my absolute marbles. You've got, to, you've got uh, to factor in the manager and player of the month award, which is no doubt going to be a curse. I'd be no. happy with one all, to be honest. No, no, I, I, I think so. So Don Goodman has, has done it on purpose <laughs> for us to break the curse. Um, Trying to us, Don. We know your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, derailers. Um, but nah, yeah, I think we could be all right. I think we could uh, point a good performance, and hopefully we do. Um, if, if I think if we win again, I think we're, we're just on an absolute high at the moment, and I think it'd be would be tough to stop. I think it's just trying to get as many wins or unbeaten games as you can um, in this division. Hopefully we can do that. Um, last couple, last question of the last couple of questions of the day for me, and then just I talked about the the questions as well because if you don't have Facebook or Twitter, or uh, Instagram, or anything like that, you can email us your questions for the podcast. So it's the, the Borough Breakdown at Hotmail.com. So it's the Borough Breakdown at Hotmail.com. Um, and I want to shout out to Andrew Kirby as well, who left that nice review and asked out about contact us as well uh, around the social. So thanks for that, Andrew. And thank you to everyone who has been reviewing the podcast over the last few weeks, because we are on like 320 reviews now, which is absolutely mental. Um, but as one couple, one or two questions to end the day, I want to use for... Uh, one of them's for you, Tom. It's from Luke. He says, what's your number and are you free next Tuesday? Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's from Luke. He says, uh, with you creating more high-quality chances uh, on Saturday, do you think you need to bring in a few more creative players to finish the high-quality chances you're currently getting? Do you think we need to bring in more creative players or not? Uh, no. <laughs> Simple answer to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um right okay that, that's it guys uh thank you very much uh for joining me as always i thank you everyone who's listened and supported us over the last few weeks and the new listeners as well um thank you very much for joining us and, and, and engaging with us and also thank you for donating to our charity as well the mnda um because we're nearly hit our target of 2000 and we couldn't do it without you guys so thank you very much for doing that so boris script through at the fourth round but now six wins in seven all competitions. There's something going on at the Riverside, isn't there? This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is Crazy Little Thing Called Crooks. What? Hey, hey. it's Matt Crooks. 
The tape just can't handle him It's been It's not crooks He's six foot three And we call him the tree yeah, He's ready Crazy little thing called crooks <laughs> and that was all your master chatter in a pod. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.